No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Hannah fulfills her vow and dedicates Samuel to the Lord. Then she offers a remarkable song as a prayer. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1 on Simply the Bible. Hannah had been barren, but God answered her prayer and gave her a son whom she named Samuel. We continue today in 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 21. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned. Then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Elkanah and his family were godly folks. He went up to Shiloh to offer a yearly sacrifice to the Lord and to make a vow. We don't know what the vow was, but it showed Elkanah's devotion to the Lord. But Hannah didn't go up with them while she was nursing Samuel. Hebrew women would usually wean their children when they were three years old. So for these first formative years, Hannah remained at home with her son. And no doubt she instilled everything she could in her boy in anticipation of when she would take him to the tabernacle and dedicate him to the Lord. There is something very admirable about a mother who wants to stay home to raise her children in the way of the Lord. It may, in fact, require economic sacrifice, but it reaps eternal dividends. This was also an expression of Hannah's devotion to God, for she prepared Samuel to be the Lord's servant. Elkanah was obviously devoted to Hannah as his wife. He respected her faith and commitment to God. Under the law of Moses, a husband could annul his wife's vow. But Elkanah didn't do that. He supported Hannah in her decision, even though it would mean that he wouldn't be able to raise his firstborn son by her. It's beautiful when a husband and wife share such a relationship that they are faithfully devoted to each other. I feel very blessed to have that kind of relationship with my wife, Cindy, of 34 years. We trust each other and respect each other's relationship with the Lord. I believe the Lord leads Cindy, and she believes that he leads me. In fact, one of the main reasons I'm even doing this radio program is because of her support. It takes many hours away from time we could spend together, but she believes in me and in the importance of sharing God's word. Verse 24, now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bowls, one ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. Hannah made good on her promise 
After she weaned Samuel, she took him to Shiloh to dedicate him to the Lord. Now, God doesn't require us to make vows, but if we do make them, then it's important that we keep them. Psalm 50, 14 says, Offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Hannah and Elkanah brought with them a burnt offering along with their grain and drink offerings. Some translations say three bulls, others say a three-year-old bull. The amount of grain that they brought was enough for three bulls. The burnt offering was the offering of consecration where the entire animal was offered to God. Now, some may say they were giving the Lord their firstborn son. Wasn't that enough? But you see, the offering sanctified the vow. The shed blood of the burnt offering made the vow acceptable to God. This act of sacrificial giving also demonstrates the godliness of Elkanah and Hannah. Likewise, our vows to God are only acceptable because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The Lord is pleased with our sacrificial giving. We just returned from a pastor's conference where one of the speakers challenged us with the question, when was the last time that you gave so generously that it made you uncomfortable? I think his question made us all a bit uncomfortable, if you get my drift. Verse 26, And she said, O my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. Hannah returned to Eli the priest and gave glory to God by giving him the report that her prayers were answered. I always appreciate it when after praying with someone over some issue, the person returns and gives me a report of how God has answered the prayer. Testifying of answered prayer glorifies God. Now, when Hannah said, I have lent him to the Lord, the word lent is probably not the best translation of the Hebrew. Lent implies that Samuel would be on loan for some time and then they would take him back. In truth, Samuel would be at the tabernacle permanently. It would be better to say that they granted Samuel to the Lord for his entire life. We now come to the very remarkable prayer of Hannah. It reminds us of the prayer of Mary at Elizabeth's house, known as the Magnificat. It reveals the deep devotion of Hannah to the Lord. Chapter 2, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. The horn is a symbol of strength. Hannah found strength in the Lord against her enemies. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Verse 2, No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. What Hannah said of God is what he also said of himself through Isaiah the prophet. There is no other God but him. He is our rock, and we can weather any storm 
if we build our lives on him. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. We can't help but see a dig here against Elkanah's other wife, Peninnah, who had tormented Hannah because she couldn't have children. Often the wicked talk proudly, but they don't realize that their every word and deed will ultimately be judged by God. This is one of the many reasons why we all need the blood of Jesus to wash away our sins in deed and in word. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and those who stumbled are girded with strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren has borne seven, and she who has many children has become feeble. This is poetic expression of God's upsets, his turnarounds, and unexpected blessings. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and makes them inherit the throne of glory. Why do I love God personally? I'll tell you why. It's because with God all things are possible. Verse 8, for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength no man shall prevail. When we trust the Lord, he sets our feet on solid ground. We succeed not by mere human strength, but by God's grace and power. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Now this is the first mention in scripture of the anointed one, the Messiah. The Greek word is Christ. God will give strength to his king, a prophecy of the coming kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then Elkanah went to his house at Ramah, but the child ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. As we shall see, the house of Eli the priest was corrupt, but Hannah and Elkanah committed Samuel to the care of the Lord in the midst of it. Likewise, we can commit our children to the care of the Lord even in the midst of this corrupt world. Verse 12. Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling. Then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. And the priest would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought up. So they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. In the book of Leviticus, God specified the portions of the sacrifice that belonged to the priests, but Hophni and Phinehas paid no attention to these instructions. Instead, they told their servant to stick the fork in the boiling pot and whatever it brought up belonged to them. Also, before they burned the fat, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who sacrificed, 
Give meat for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you, but raw. And if the man said to him, They should really burn the fat first, then you may take as much as your heart desires, he would then answer him, No, but you must give it now, and if not, I will take it by force. Therefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. The other problem was that the fat portions belonged to the Lord. God specifically prohibited them from eating the fat, but they took the prime portion before the fat was burned so that they could roast it on the fire for themselves. In this way, they despised the offering of the Lord, and it was a very great sin in the eyes of God. Moreover, it caused the people to despise bringing their offerings to the Lord, knowing that they were being used to wrongfully fill the bellies of the priests. And if these practices weren't bad enough, we see later in the chapter that Eli's sons were sleeping with the women who came to worship at the tabernacle. Sexual sin in the priesthood has been around a long, long time. We end the message today on this sour note of corruption in the ministry. But this forms the backdrop for why God was raising up Samuel to be a faithful priest who would do according to his own heart. May God help us all to be such godly servants of the Lord. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow we will see where Samuel ministers before the Lord as a child. And a man of God prophesies against the household of Eli the priest. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 1 Samuel on Simply the Bible.